Welcome to Square in the Circle, the podcast where I chat to creative business owners to see how they balance the art and the business. Bonnie and Pete from the band Good Habits, welcome to Square in the Circle. How are you? Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're very well. Just, uh, Just for people that haven't heard any of your stuff, um, do you want to um, give a bit of uh, context, I suppose, uh, why you started and, and what has brought you to this point? We'll do the quick rundown. So we are a cello accordion and vocal duo. Um, we formed in sort of 2019 and wanted to go on tour to use the music to travel. So thought we'll go to New Zealand. Um, we booked a tour of New Zealand which is hard to do when you're a brand new duo and you don't have any content. Yeah. So uh, you just have to go to people and say, it should be good. Yeah. Um, and hope that they agree. Um, yeah, and so we went to New Zealand at the beginning of 2020 for a three-month tour, um, thinking that if it goes badly, we'll just have a nice holiday and let's see how it happens. And then we were supposed to fly out at the end of March and the world shut down in March 2020. And so we... Stayed there for two years and lived full time on tour in New Zealand for two years, which was an absolutely incredibly lucky opportunity for us as a new band to just live on tour. So that's how we kind of got thrown into and then therefore threw ourselves into doing music as a duo nomadically and full time and really indulging in the live touring, exploring, performing um real life side of things um and then we've just continued from there and have been back in the UK for over a year now but in the same kind of yeah all all eggs in one basket kind of way um so how how different is New Zealand um to England with regards to how live music goes down because I'm sure I'm sure it does happen the other way around but I can't think of maybe it's a perception I have but New Zealand seems a lot more open to things um, and I think a band coming from New Zealand in your position to England probably find it a lot harder than the other way around so how how easy was it to sort of settle in over there um it's interesting. I think the main way that we would characterize the difference between being in, and we're talking about like the folk music community, is mainly probably characterized by being a much smaller population, um, meaning that there's a quite a tight knit community. And that just meant that the experience we had when we went over there was being welcomed with open arms was yeah community is the right way to describe it meeting musicians who are really brilliant really lovely but also wanting to just share and connect and everyone really wanting to help each other and that's not to say that that's not the case over here obviously um but you have to kind of work a bit harder in the UK to find your communities because there are what how many million people living in London now I mean it's like the population of New Zealand is Half of London. Half of London, spread out across the landmass. Uh, like larger than the UK. Yeah, and so it just means that, and obviously it's exciting to be there because it's beautiful to be there and obviously really rich kind of um, 
its own culture and not all this Maori art happening, but for kind of, um, yeah, the music scene over there, each city, because it's smaller comparatively to the UK, just has a kind of, yeah, a real sense of community. And I think all working together to help each other out. And so we um, really not relied on, but we were just so helped out by really awesome musicians. And then obviously wanted to do the same and sort of helped other musicians start booking things. Um, and then I think tried to kind of continue that ethos or really tried to seek that out coming home as artists that were basically brand new to the UK when we came back to New Zealand. Um, back, sorry, when we came back to the UK, having only done a couple of gigs before we went out to New Zealand, um, I think being in New Zealand really characterised the way that we wanted to work and the way that we wanted to be constantly experiencing communities and nice friendships with other musicians and things like that. Mm, yeah. Um, so being on the road for, for that amount of time, sort of travelling and playing, what, I suppose it's a two-part question, what are the amazing things about that? How... How does it change your worldview? And then we'll go on to potentially the negatives because I'm sure there are some. Um, but let's start with the positive. What What's the best thing about just being constantly on tour? Oh, I've got my ones. What yeah. are your answers? Well, in the grand scheme of things, what was really, I think, good for us in hindsight of being constantly on tour in New Zealand is we came back to the UK with two years of pretty intense touring mm -hmm. under our belts as a new act in the UK. Just a lot of so hours on stage, basically, lot of stage time. The UK didn't have to see us be crap. Like that, <laughs> <Yeah>. Which is <laughs> handy. Because it like it must be really hard when you start gigging. You don't really know how to gig. Like you know how to perform or like play your pieces or whatever. But it's it's such a different skill. So that honing thing is mm. sort of it's a journey. Yeah. Being able to do that somewhere else and then return to sort of home as a new band was really good. And yeah, benefits in terms of just like meeting amazing musicians and venue owners really interesting creative people especially in new zealand i think there's just a really real sort of can do diy attitude yeah loads of house concerts where sort of people who maybe they're builders or they're like architects have just gone yeah i just want to like have a concert series in my house and so they build this awesome house that mm. have these sort of this space for a hundred seat concert and so this yeah the diy aspect of new zealand of people just get on and do stuff mm. which is really cool and also people who by our second year we would get to the point where there are people that we think back and we go hold on a second they're not our relatives they're people that have just become family because we got to know them via music whether they started off being a fan or listening or something and then by the second year they would kind of send us a message going oh i see that when you're on tour here you can come and stay with us as just like this building these really nice friendships and people wanting to help us along the way um which wouldn't happen if we weren't nomadic and that's because it's kind of part of the life of just constantly moving mm. and also i love and this is when it's not cold weather obviously when it's spring and summer, I love waking up and being able to open the van to some kind of like nice lake or beach or river, which I didn't think, I thought that was going to be just New Zealand where that lifestyle was really fun. But turns out the UK is pretty gorgeous. <laughs> it really is. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, well, let's flip it then. What 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 are the challenges of being <laughs> on the road constantly? It's pretty tiring. Yeah. Um, you just have to plan things that you don't usually plan in your in your life. The fact that the fact that we were gigging means that often accommodation will be provided with the gig plan. Um, but sometimes you have to plan like, okay, well then on this day we're gonna go to the gym so that we can have a nice shower sauna and planning your i mean the van does make a we had a little wi-fi dongle we can kind of have this office space but you still you've just got to plan all these little things you've got to plan when you're washing your clothes all these little things that do chip away at the headspace you have so i think whilst you're given more flexibility in your life budget and moving around by being nomadic you have to plan much more of the finer details that you don't have to when you have a place that you're living in yeah and i think that makes it extra tiring just the, that thing of it it's always new yeah. so when am to, i going to get wi-fi tomorrow going oh, to the yeah. supermarket it's always a new supermarket where you're looking for where the pastor aisle is or uh, whatever and that thing i think you're just always thinking whereas like now with we live in a home sort of renting in manchester and you're like oh you go to the supermarket it's the same supermarket they you know, know where the milk is you know, i know the, you know the way there and you think i just go to the shop and just do it where's that thing of like just always let's google maps where the nearest little is you're constantly planning and in new zealand when we were, our van was much more rudimentary and the cooking facilities were much more rudimentary and so we learned interesting things like you could eat microwavable rice raw Handy little things that I probably wouldn't. If you put I'd it in with a sauce, and also <laughs> that peanut butter does go with absolutely everything. Is a meal in itself, and just things that you're like, oh, I shouldn't know that that's true, but, but it that's is just, true. It is true, and that you probably just like shouldn't buy soy sauce for the van because if it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. Okay, okay. Soy okay. sauce should not spill, um, but just like little things that were actually quite fun thinking back and. I'm very excited to be doing more nomading around in the future because because we will be living in the van when we're touring. But um, it's nice to have the combination of both. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll come to um, sort of what's what uh, what is planned next um, in, in a few minutes. But um, so how what I'm intrigued about um, how much pressure or not pressure, I don't know um it put on your relationship because 24 7 essentially you would be you know within each other's pockets apart from you know maybe you some take some time out and things but if you're living with someone 24 7 however you know strong that relationship is um were there were there yeah were there times where it got difficult or or were you so strong with it? it's you know it's it's that was, was absolutely fine i think both yeah, it was awful though. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it was. I mean, it's a really good way to test a relationship. It, yeah, but it, I mean, it was insane. Like in twenty twenty to twenty twenty two, I think we would have spent under a hundred hours apart over the whole two years. Yeah. Like pretty much every night. Like yeah, I think there were a few nights where something else had happened. Not because there was a big bus stop, but there was like something, and so we just like there was something where we we're in different places. Going and for so, a wee is basically the only alone time. <laughs> it was a long wee. 
meditating on the loo. Did that, did that become like a code word? I'm just going for a wee, which meant I'm just oh, going to be gone. Yeah, me and you made a joke that once I was sat on the toilet and then during lockdown, body just burst in and went, I've got this thing. And I was like, this is the only time to have myself. Like, please. <laughs> just like give me this one like, and now i respect minutes. that boundary that's yeah, that's yeah. okay you just have to find your boundaries you just yeah. gotta set your boundaries i think um before pete and i went on tour together i had a kind of three months in a van with another band touring experience um where there is a team of six and obviously if you're touring together there are going to be time everyone's moods are going to flip and change and you're going to be tired and most importantly you're going to be hungry and hunger hangry, getting hangry is so super that I think it made me extra appreciate it's a lot easier because we're in a relationship and we can therefore be sitting in the van and one of us can say I'm feeling really tired let's just put on an album and have some quiet time and then you can just sort of respect how each other are feeling and all kind of going I'm actually feeling a bit low because I'm so emotionally drained from the gigs this weekend which is kind of not for any negative reason but sometimes you just have that what is it the cortisol spike from performing and it just kind of you got all these whatever hormones pumping through you because of the excitement of the gig and what you're trying to rise to that sometimes you just kind of crash the next day and I think the fact that we were in a van together um made us be extra responsive to are you giggling I'm are just you thinking gig? of stories <laughs> I just think of like driving it's just stupid things that happen well, like the singing one no the singing one wasn't too bad um Bonnie Bonnie just sings all the time uh, but she doesn't realize that I don't know I'm doing it oh really she's singing ahead and then they're like the final tenth of the hook she'll sing out loud it's, it's just playing in my head and then I'll sing the hook yeah. out loud again and so and again like again. for an hour we'll just have the hook every like 10 seconds or whatever <laughs> but no just um yeah there was that red fountain song that I just and it's really high and it was like <laughs> it was like loads yeah, and loads fishing an eight hour drive between like Wellington and Auckland nice. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry but Pete on, but the nice thing there is like instead of saying please can you shut up going instead Pete would say look I'm feeling really tired please can you give me some quiet and then it's so much easier in that scenario to go yeah of course and sort of look after each other as opposed to being passive aggressive and going shut the up yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. is actually yeah. really important because you have to kind of be with each other through the whole roller coaster of intense highs and intense exhaustion so um the thing that I was laughing at was I don't know whether I did it out of an act of being annoyed, but I I don't think I'd normally do it, but we we're driving along State Highway One up to Auckland or something, just like middle of nowhere. It's just like it's like driving on a B road in England, but it's like the main highway through the middle of the country. And we're driving and I I don't think I'd normally do it, but Bonnie was just in the passenger seat and took a swig of water and just leaned across and just like squirt like just crushed the bottle of water and it just like exploded out of every orifice in her head and like it was so and then she was just like, had to pull the car over she was dying water would explode out of her nose and her ears and like, 
<laughs> and there was a point where I was like, oh, I've taken it too far. I don't think I don't think I'd normally do that. Like it was quite an aggressive <laughs> just, uh, just grab this water bottle. And then like there was 10 seconds. Yeah, and then the heat man. The heat man, it made you go weird. <laughs> <laughs> Choking on water, then I think we need some towel part. That's that's when you needed a wee. Yeah, yeah that's it. Like, absolutely. Going, yeah. Pulled over. Yeah. You know the system. You got it <laughs> already. Yeah. <laughs> um, the talking about uh, the the sort of the gigging side, and well, I suppose being more general, making a living from being in a band strikes me as of one of the hardest things you can do um especially now where um where the music industry has changed so much um and obviously you you do that by by touring and by gigging and being and, and living out the van which is which is incredible um is there any other way that you could have done it um given the way you started i think so but i think our opportunity was a golden ticket to fast tracking um being able to do it all the time because um i mean you're completely right it is no different than being we're basically we run a micro business that's basically what it is um and when we were in new zealand the fact that we weren't living anywhere just means that if you're not paying rent that brings down your bottom line costs and obviously when you're touring you still do have some bottom line costs and we had we had things like instrument hire and insurance and vehicles and this and that and the rest of it um that are there but it just adds more flexibility in order to be able to be doing it full time and take that step take that a bit of risk at the beginning and I mean we're very fortunate now in that we can afford to be living somewhere and continue doing music um but I think that the fact that we were in New Zealand just pushed us to fast track it because we were we graduated and then I went straight on tour with another band and you went straight into doing a few freelance things and then we went straight into good habits. So something that was I feel very fortunate about is we never had that phase that is really hard, which is trying to find either a part-time job or phase out the day job or phase out thing to to allow yourself more time and headspace which is a really hard balance to do because it's so hard to just it's so hard to just be alive um today in, in the UK and in a lot of cities I don't know how artists live in London I don't know how it's possible how do you do it <laughs> it's so expensive but we were fortunate in that we just went straight into it um and didn't really know anything else but but you're but now you're living back in the UK do you, are you thinking about I mean you said it yourself the micro business are you thinking about the commercial side more than you were because renting obviously I mean I know Manchester where you are now is um, cheaper than a lot of places and cheaper than a lot of cities down south potentially but it's still it's still rent isn't it and and it's still if you're doing this full time that's a huge huge weight isn't it yeah, yeah absolutely I think in in New Zealand, like looking back to it, I mean, the New Zealand dollar to the British pound is two to one, and so I think we saw it a bit as monopoly money. So like the fees that we would do gigs in New Zealand were so cheap, like just as a we just say yes to things, and because we had very we didn't have rent to pay, we were just 
so we can do very cheap gigs or go oh well yeah we should probably do something we've got this day free um now it's much more there's a sense of we don't necessarily have to do a gig if the money isn't mm. right and valuing that an evening in is well worth the money that like if it was a going to be a poorly paid gig that like would just about cover expenses or whatever yeah. going actually an evening in would be really important just to relax yeah and so being able to value that time now and not go oh let's do it even if it only ends up making us a little bit after you take away diesel and everything yeah um i think yeah. we also had we we realized really quickly that um actually if something is not financially sustainable then it will grind an impact on the well-being that you need in order to be creative so actually the more stable the model is of how we're touring and the more we the more we plan and we do actually spend a lot of our life doing all the business side of things um a lot of a lot of booking a lot of marketing a lot of admin a lot of tour managing a lot of planning and that the more solid the more the stronger it is, that just carves more headspace to be better artists, to have more time to get better at the thing that we love and why we're doing it. And so I think once we realised that that was, the, that was the correlation, it means that you're kind of constantly thinking about things in a commercial way. And instead of going, instead of kind of trying to hide that, instead of trying to not talk about money, instead of trying to pretend that it doesn't exist, actually just go, well, we need to come in the office and put our business hat on in order to carve space and protect the time that we need to make the music. It's it's funny you should say that. I, I um, a couple of days ago I was having a chat with a um, a guest on the podcast, and and they were saying that in order to be their most um, their mm. most creative, they need to be structured, so so they can kind of they can have a structure mm -hmm. um and that allows the headspace to be creative when it's time to be creative now of course everybody's different but i absolutely love the fact that you're not you don't shy away that no this is a commercial thing this is this is how we yeah. pay the rent we've yeah. got to we've got to you know doing art for art's sake is great if it, if it's your hobby brilliant um and there's nothing wrong with that of course absolutely um, but if if it's your living um you, you you can't make apologies for talking about fees and you can't make apologies for thinking is this yeah. worth it you know it might be a, it might be a good gig but is it going to put food on the table yeah and i think it's a cultural thing as well that we've been discussing a lot about the view of like the sort of putting the idea of a professional on a pedestal and that like someone in, mm. who is a professional is so much better than someone who is an amateur well, and that amateur case. has this negative term attributed to it when it's actually it's it's just someone who's decided not to capitalize on that art or whatever they're doing and so like some of the best musicians we know are amateurs just because they've got their day job and then that allows them to do all this music in their spare time which mm -hmm. is what they love and that step from going from amateur to professional can actually i think sort of kill it for you for a lot of people it can just ruin it as soon as you can like right i have to capitalize on yeah. this i have to start making money it means that you can't do some of the things you previously would have done and well, but, like yeah, that, pe yeah. people still view 
professional is like that means you must be really good because you're a professional when it, it doesn't it's just you're trying to pay rent from it I think and also that comes from and you said right at the beginning the music industry has changed so much um and now if you're maybe not if you built a considerable amount of your audience in in the night in yeah in the 90s or even the noughties but now if you're an emerging artist you have to run the business no one will come and go I'll be your manager oh, here's a record deal even though you haven't already built built your audience built your net built your community so you just have to be able to do anything so I guess being a professional musician just means running your business and if you're an amateur that just means you're doing it because you love it I mean isn't that what the word amateur means yeah, um, amateur. Amateur. I love it. that doesn't mean that you're yeah I, I I know that I know there's some photographers and filmmakers well more photographers because I think filmmakers is slightly more involved um and if you are a filmmaker you're more likely to be in the commercial side but I know some I know some photographers who are incre their work is incredible um but they don't want to bring any commercial aspect to it whatsoever because that will ruin it for them because they don't want to be creating stuff for a reason now now the, probably we'll talk about the creative side in terms of how you write songs in a minute actually but when you're when you're writing songs when you're putting tours together there is a reason for that um and that can work for some people because that means it's an end goal mm -hmm. um, but but part of the fun of the creative pursuit is doing it for no reason just because you love it and of yeah. course that, that gets yeah, yeah. Do you, so do you do you still do you struggle with that do you do you think some of the some of the love of of music and the performances drained away because you're thinking about the commercial side or have you balanced it pretty well i guess we might have separate answers oh. i have my answer what's you uh i'm still thinking about my answer you go um i have found that the first year back in the uk last year especially towards the end of last year i took on too much and got really overwhelmed because um, I really liked the booking side of what we're doing and also work as a booking agent for some other artists. And I see that as an extension of what we're doing with Good Habits, as an extension of building relationships and helping my other artists grow their life careers. But I find that basically what we said before the more structure there is to that and the more that's carved into this is how much time and I've got quite a, a very dyslexic brain and I like to be able to visually see things like I spend this much time on gig bookings as a kind of with a sort of agency brain on and I spend this much time on marketing and I spend this much time and that's more admin things and then I carve out this much time for that and yeah, use that limitation as a stimulation to be creative within that. I think the more that I've embraced feeling as though I'm a music industry person, the more it feels cleaner to then put a different hat on and then love the creative side. So I feel like I feel like it hasn't taken any love or joy away because I actively enjoy the bookings work. The, the sort of the business side yeah yeah I, I actively enjoy it and I know that a lot of artists don't and it's like a means to an end and so I feel really grateful that I really like I really like doing the business side and kind of feeling as though we have this baby that we're growing and is 
we're, we're growing it and we're taking it somewhere. I really like that feeling. And, but I know a lot of people just find it overwhelming and it gets in the way of things. But Pete, your answer might be different. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think it had, yeah, it definitely hasn't taken away from my enjoyment of doing stuff. I think it's probably, it's limited the amounts that I'm able to do. I think previously before it was a career, I probably had a much wider range of things that I'd do in terms of playing in different bands or mm. just having lots of different sort of styles of music that I was playing, which now that Good Habits has become a very busy thing for us with touring, that limits basically all weekends. You're never really in Manchester. And so that's the hard thing in terms of that's when French mm. bands who are amateurs who want to play together or like rehearse that I used to play with or get involved with, that's when they're going to rehearse. And so that those kinds of things, there's less of an opportunity to do that, which is a shame because those are things I really enjoy, but it's replaced with doing things that is also really fun, which is touring with good habits. Um, so it's, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky thought. I think we, we haven't got to a point of thinking, writing a song and then going, oh, no, that, that doesn't fit with our brand or that mm. won't fit with our audience, so we can't put that out, we can't play that. Or we, or the other way, we haven't gone, right, we need to write a song that is hella catchy for this yeah. thing or whatever, that, that will make people dance or whatever. We just kind of write what we want and then play it. And it, I think maybe our audience has come to just yeah. appreciate that, and so that's fortunate. But I think it's because we have so much time in New Zealand to play and to just like take risks and make mistakes so that when we came home we had a slightly more idea of who we are and what we make that it was easier to go oh sort of look at ourselves sit back and go this I get the gist of who we are now let's let's roll on little steam ahead I mean we used to do loads of pub gigs in New Zealand just because we had to be gigging and we couldn't do our own concerts or ticketed gear every night. So we'd do lots of just go to a pub, play for three hours, doing 70% covers um, and then 30% of our own material. And that was really good for just sort of getting mm. to know, all right, this is what we do. This is how we can do it. And I think there's sort of a real, there's a stigma attached to covers bands, which is stupid because like the whole of folk is just as a you're a cover artist if you're going to be doing traditional folk you're just, yeah. you are just a cover band um so covers are really important to us we really love doing covers and especially it kind of immediately i think it's always good to do something fun and interesting with a cover um and for us because we're playing it on accordion and cello it's kind of you have to do you, something interesting with it. Yeah. i just wanted to play it um yeah, so that was really good fun for us of just, and that's something that stuck with us is that enjoyment of doing cover songs and the appreciation of being able to take a song apart and put it back together and play it without a sense of sort of diminishing your own artistic credibility by doing a cover when actually it's really fun and you can be really creative in other ways by doing that. The earth has moved and I don't want it to, and it breaks as it moves.
so just before we go on to the last three questions just to talk about the creative side um how what's the process of you writing songs before we answer i'm going to come up with my tea <laughs> um so we have i think a strange way of writing um that we never write together we never sit down at the beginning at the beginning yeah, yeah. at the beginning we at never beginning. go let's write a song and then sit down in the sitting room with our instruments mm -hmm. and write something which i think a lot of people do or a lot of people say oh we're going to spend an evening sort of like write some new songs yeah we i, I don't know why it is I, I'm, we've tried once or twice um like it just never happens so normally the way it happens is one of us will come to the other with a skeleton of an idea sort of some brief lyrics and a rough structure and harmonic idea and then the other one goes right that's cool what about if we did this or have you thought about changing this and then it kind of flourishes out to something bigger um so it's always finished with both of us but it's always one of us will start it and it will be their song that they yeah. bring and sort of present and go is it any good yeah. and if the other person's feeling nice they'll go yes <laughs> yeah or sometimes there's been a few times where I've kind of gone right Pete I'm going to play you a song I'm writing um and I don't want your opinions today you can give me your opinions tomorrow because I'm feeling fragile and then we'll play a song we'll be like there we go bye and then the next day we'll go right let's jam let's now I'm now I'm feeling more open to or not me feeling more open feeling less fragile and now let's pull it apart play around form it into a full song do you need do you need some quiet time to come up with these ideas? Because if you're gigging day after day after day after day, that presumably uses a lot of your reservoir up that probably, well, I'll, I'll, I suppose I'll ask the question, <laughs> does it? Um, and and um, so do you need quiet time to to create these things? Or maybe it goes the other way. Because you're gigging and in that routine, you you sort of become inspired in that way. Yeah, I don't think that I necessarily use up much creativity from being, or at least I didn't used to. And now, just recently, um, I was on tour with another band that was very high energy and lots of changing stuff. Um, so, and I've sort of brought that back to good habits a bit so that when we're playing live, mm -hmm. structures might change or there's a bit more sort of fluidity. Um, previously, every song was very similar in the way that we performed it between gigs. And so you could, you'd find yourself switch off, like, right, we're playing that song and you're still engaged and sort of doing everything. But you, you just realise you come to it, it's the end of the song. You go, yeah. oh, man, like, I, I wasn't creatively thinking about interesting things I could do. That's because you're in the zone, you're in the just, flow. Muscle was just working. Yeah. And so that comes to then writing. I think that's still a big sort of creative reservoir. And I think, the most interesting things that I write are noodling during sound check. Yeah. You got away yeah. and you think, oh, just, and then you come up with something. And, go, and then oh, we yeah. start jamming in the sound check and really annoy the sound. That's the place. But that makes, but that makes perfect sense because there's no pressure on you and you're just, yeah. you're experimenting with, without any, uh, for no end goal whatsoever you're just you, you've got to experiment you've got to play yeah. something and say so then you get inspiration that's amazing and, it's really fun. and you're already stood in a gig setting because you're on a stage and you're not sat at home in sort of a different kind of cozy domestic setting it's like right this is oh this is a cool thing we could do yeah. and then you sort of think of new weird stuff that's what happens to me i mean 
I have found that most of my songs when we were more densely touring in New Zealand um, was when I would write more um, and then have the same thing in that kind of when we were doing a gig, um, I would go, oh, it'd be cool to have a song that kind of has this feeling here, but actually uses this technique and kind of have bits of ideas that are assembling. And then during noodle time, the ideas would happen. Whereas like, for example, when Pete was away touring with the Trouble Notes in March, in my head, I thought, oh, I'm going to write so many songs when Pete's away. I'm going to sit there with my tenor guitar and write so many sad songs about missing him. And that didn't happen at all because I wasn't. Every night, yeah. Every night, every night she was out. She having too many. <laughs> but, um, but more because I wasn't in a practice of doing it and I was kind of focusing on loads of other things in that month. Um, but then have found that I can kind of trick myself into exactly what you said about when the goal isn't, now I'm going to write a song, when the goal is something else. And what I like doing is because... I mean, Pete's from a folky background, whereas I've been kind of have flown into folk and I'm learning as I go. Um, we'll go, oh, I'm going to learn this tune that I like. I've got this recording of this tune, this trad tune. It's really interesting. I'm going to learn it. And whilst the process of learning it by ear, I'll then find cool techniques. And all of a sudden I will have got distracted and have written a song. So I haven't kind of gone in with the idea of writing but have just gone in with the idea of playing and then a song happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense because you you often hear of writers who um, they 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 can't wait for inspiration to hit because firstly, because of deadline. So they a lot a lot of writers will say, right, now this is my whatever happens Monday to Friday, 9am till midday or whatever I'm writing. And if it's rubbish, well, it's fine. I've, st I've still got words on the page. And yeah. then within that time, you get into that flow state and then um, inspiration hits yeah. um, rather rather than, yeah, as you say, just sort of sitting down, right, here we go. <laughs> um, I, I need to write a song um, because this is in the diary. Um, and yeah, and also you've got to get through all the kind of rubbish stuff, like yeah. <laughs> get it out. And then within there, there'll be something good. Because um, creativity is a muscle, like create well, not It's not a muscle, but you know what I mean? It's it's. <laughs> yeah. It's brain pathways. It's 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 brain pathways that you can actively practice making. I'm using all the wrong words to talk about brains. So people who understand how brains work, I'll sound like a fool. But it's the practice of making lateral links, isn't it? And kind of connecting things together. So it's nice to think that every time you practice being creative and you practice songwriting, that's not a waste of time because it's the act of being creative. Which, I don't know, I'm not a believer that you sit down and creativity comes upon you. I think that you come upon your own creativity of what you're absorbing. But that's just me. No, I, I, but I think people that are not in the creative industry see that see that see people in the creative industry as well they just sit there and, and they have these flows and waves of creativity and then they create incredible things um but i i know no one that, that works like that they, it's it's a, you have to work hard at it you, and you have yeah. to potentially build some structure into it um and like you say it's practice it's um and and when when nothing is flowing well then you get inspiration from other things and then you walk away from it potentially and then your subconscious um works yeah on, totally. you know, um overnight and you think ah oh, the 3am that was it that's the missing yeah, point yeah, yeah. 
yeah yeah um, you've so, been doing the work you've been kind of yeah, yeah pursuing yeah. the process absolutely yeah good um all right well i think we've um blimey i've just looked at the time i've taken up lots of your time but we're, we're um we're on the final um three questions now um so how do you define success and what does it look like for you uh, and your business or the band well both the same thing it's, go it's go? good go. we we had a meeting this morning with a sort of mentor from help musicians mm. who asked this exact question and so okay, okay. we're ready to go yeah, loaded up uh yeah for me i think success has always been a low bar of if music can pay my bills and allow me to live pretty frugally that is success uh, which is handy because i mean you set your bar low it's sort of <laughs> much easier to achieve that than achieving sort of playing the pyramid stage or whatever at glastonbury yeah. and so for me at least like i've always viewed that as oh that would be a really cool place to be and as we're sort of teetering on that line it feels really nice you're like oh cool this is kind of what i wanted to achieve with music and we're kind of here I don't think that's a low bar at all. I think that's an extremely high bar of like yeah. doing something you love and making a living. Personally. I think in the grand scheme of things, it's a, a high bar that compared to lots of people's own sort of ideas of what they're sort of being a successful musician. Oh, interesting. Is. I think lots of people think like, well, you've got to be like recognised when you're walking down the street. And now I'm going to be on Jules Holland. And then, it, yeah. yeah. Whereas we've been recognised once and I was stuffing my face full of a vegan sausage roll at Greg's. And so he was like, are you Pete from Good Habits? And I was covered in pastry. It was like, exactly sort of me and my elements. So it's like, yeah, that's where you'd find me. It's sort of me hanging out. You pull that on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if, uh, so are you both vegan? Yeah. So yeah. So as as long as it wasn't a you know a meat sausage roll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> posting on Facebook about being vegan. Yeah. Lords. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess my one is, I've always been to make sure that um we're actually really enjoying what we're doing as we do it, and that we're not doing something as a means to an end. And I think that's from having quite a um, not pessimistic, but realistic view of how the music industry has changed and how different it is to be an emerging artist now. In in that, I just think if we're if we're planning a, if we're planning a tour, we're planning a release. We have to enjoy the process. We have to enjoy what we're making. And if we are deciding that, I don't know, when we came back last year and we were starting and it wasn't really financially viable at the beginning, we have to love it because. There isn't really point. There isn't really any point in doing something just as a means to an end because because you there won't be a point where you think oh, great now I've made it. It just has to kind of has to kind of grow. And I think um, also what we we're talking about is I definitely feel like well, I get the buzz of going ah oh, this is a moment of success um, when we have our like our key live achievements or we're we're at a festival that we love and we get to meet people that like the kind of music we're doing and we feel like we've made some new fans that's kind of where I go oh this is this is feeling like a successful time I've asked that question to all the guests and I don't think I think one guest has brought up money um 
everybody else everybody else has has said a similar kind of but i but i love it it's always different because it means success means different things to different people but in the same ballpark as it's not about the money it's about living i'm not going to say living your best life don't worry it's <laughs> it's um living, loving laughing yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's be, being content in what you're doing um and and yeah it's not a means to end because by definition if you had these goals well, what happens when you meet those goals um you, you have to set more you know that that's yeah. the whole point of it you're never going to arrive as such are you so um yeah good stuff all right very interesting thank you um for your chosen profession what um is the book or resource that has had the biggest impact on you i've got mine have you got yours i've got mine Do you want to go first? okay um so amanda palmer um, you do you know Amanda Palmer, an no. amazing um, an amazing artist, and actually became basically a key person who pioneered the way people think about crowdfunding. Um, and Amanda Palmer is also a really brilliant artist as a musician, but also makes all all sorts of different types of art and is kind of a can't be bound up by one type of artist um and her book is called the art of asking um and i love it and it's about asking obviously um about how bad we are at asking and i read the book and realized how scared i would be of asking things and obviously within reason but a lot of the time some of the most fantastic things that have happened to us as good habits are because we just made a new friend, a new connection. We kind of would go, shall I go up to this manager at the end and say, hey, that was fantastic. Are you coming back to the UK? Do you, I don't know, do you need a support act for this thing? Just kind of being brave and asking because mm -hmm. the worst they can do is say no. Yeah, uh, if you respect obviously if you've respectfully asked and you're not being ridiculous um but also the massive thing about the art of asking is about changing the way we think about the relationship of our art to its consumers um in that amanda palmer makes art and asks people if they like it to be a patreon um and kind of refers to her people as a net and in asking her fans to kind of be somewhere or be part of an event or something you actually can really strengthen quite beautiful relationships with people and so for me reading that book basically demolished the idea of thinking about our music career as a kind of vertical ladder of raising profile and instead thinking it as more of a horizontal net of relationships and mm. building a community because, um, because that's rewarding and that's exciting and building a career via having a real genuine connection to anyone that likes your music and engages with you in a person to person kind of way. And I think that, that you could, you could widen that out to so many things in, in life, isn't it? It's quality, not quantity. You know, it's yeah. not about the streams. It's not about how many people at the gig even, you know, if, for instance, if you've got, if you're playing in front of 500 people 
and 450 of those are at the bar or just talking amongst themselves or you've got 15 people that are with you like they're with you at that moment well what are you going to choose it's going to be the 15 people that really have that connection um in an ideal world you want both of course yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but um <laughs> you know. to listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh great stuff um pete oh my book so um when i was 18 um a friend gave me laurie lee's as i walked out one midsummer's morning um which is part of his autobiography and i just it i really loved it it's as i was sort of i just sort of finished secondary school and laurie lee was this amazing person at the beginning of the 20th century who just grew up on a farm and one day decided to walk out one midsummer's morning with his violin and walked to spain and so he just he just left and he just yeah walked and just sort of made all these connections and he was busking as he went um this is what pete would do if we weren't in good habits yeah i know it's, it's what i've done and it was really inspiring and it's just all about his experiences of meeting loads of different people and obviously it took years and so like he worked as like a labourer in London for a bit until he could afford his passage on the ferry to get over to Europe. And then he sort of made his way through Spain, all these amazing stories of, sort of nearly dying in the desert type things of sort of the heat stroke. And then the Spanish Civil War broke out when he was just in Spain and got completely wrapped up with that. And the US the, the UK army sort of came and rescued him, repatriated him back to the UK. And he thought, actually, I really like being back in Spain. It's all actually, this is a really important thing that they're doing with the civil war. So went back to be in Spain. And just when I was 18, I was like, this guy's amazing. He's just sort of has all loads of bits written in, just it's basically his diary of his you know, that part of his life. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, just before the last question, where can people uh, find you online? So our handle in all places, including our website, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, is Good Habits Band. Because if you just search Good Habits, you'll get a lot of good habits from the internet. Yeah. But if you search Good Habits Band, you'll find us. Excellent. Yeah, so the latter is what you want, definitely. Yeah. You'll have great skin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you'll feel really motivated on a Monday. Yeah, morning. exactly. Yeah. And, and everything is on our website at Good Habits Band. And then that's, that's all, it's all one place. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Last question in one sentence. What one piece of advice would you give a person or a band starting in your industry? Do what you can with what you have right where you are now. That's a good sentence. That is a good sentence. I saw um, that. <laughs> did you? Well, that's, even, well, that's all art is. <laughs> that's what you had that's what i had that was what i had so i did it <laughs> perfect great stuff um thank you so much for uh, a great chat um apologies we've gone way over the time that i thought but um i just got totally um involved in that so thank you yeah, thank you for your honesty thank you for your humor and thank you for your knowledge as well it's really it's um it's been a great conversation thank yeah us. thank you for having us it's been lovely Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Squaring the Circle. If you want to support the show, you can do two things. Number one, you can subscribe. And number two, you can leave a review. Thanks very much and I'll see you soon.